I'm Jason. I'm John. And I'm Marquis. And this is Just Just Getting Getting By, a free talk forum about the creative process and the wounds that hold us back from achieving our goals. Each week, building a roadmap through dialogue with working and struggling artists about how to better manifest a successful show business career. Hey everyone, it's Marquis. This week we spoke with Brandon Goodman. Brandon's an LA-based actor, performer, and writer, currently working on the upcoming season of Nick Kroll's Netflix series, Big Mouth. How does one end up in a writer's room? Because they have something to say. Brandon is the type of artist who speaks truth in action, whether it's the struggles with his born-again mother or the plight of being a gay black man in America. He lays it all out, no holds barred. We learned about his range of jobs, from fitness instructor to assisting Whoopi Goldberg, never stopping him from making his own work and asking the right questions. Brandon opened up about an unlikely mentorship he received from an older Jewish woman named Ellen and the wisdom she imparted like gasoline in an engine speeding towards greatness. This is our interview with the endearing and captivating Brandon Goodman. coming from today um i was coming from i have a show coming up on wednesday so i had some writing stuff to do a live show yeah oh tell me about it um remember i did latrell mm-hmm. it's a latrell show yeah. do you know kyle june williams yeah yeah so red we, yeah Curly so red. we've combined oh so it's latrell and lonnie and so it's basically a show because the like full show is a really long process to do, I wanted to basically do a variety show. So it's a bunch of stand-ups and uh, like there's a drag queen. Um, Trace Lissette is going to be like a guest. So it's just about like creating this space of POC, queer, and female performers. Love that. Like, yeah. Every, every four to six weeks we do it. Uh, wish I was still in town to I see that. Well, we'll keep doing it. We're hoping to do one in New York. You guys are in New York, right? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, we're hoping to come to New York in a couple months. So we're trying to figure that out. Right? You don't meet well, many people that are doing live shit in L.A. No. That's great. Most people here are doing, like, comedy shows. Yeah. So, like, real basic, like, stand-up. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so we wanted to kind of elevate it. Like, bring our, like, NYU theater background and fuse it with this, like, comedy show circuit that people love out here. So. Needed. Where do you do that? We're at the Standard in Hollywood. So mm-hmm. it's, like, bougie, which yeah. is very nice. Love that. Yeah, very nice. Uh, feels New Yorky, which is, like, also great. Because it's really hard to find venues out here mm-hmm. that don't feel like crap. How long have you been out here? Three and a half years. Okay. Yeah. You come out here for work? I mean, did, did work bring you out here? No. You are just like, I'm going, I'm girl. Going, yes. Yeah, what was, that, what was that first month like? Oof, what was the first year like? Okay. Right. <laughs> it's like that first year in LA is the tough one, yeah, honey. The first month is cute, because you're right. like, I'm here, I got my rental car, I got money. But like month three, you're like, I need Bitch. a job. <laughs> like, I can't live off this couch anymore. Yeah. So the first year was rough. It was rough, yeah. for sure. What was the turning point? What do you mean turning point? When did it stop feeling rough? (laughs) Like five months ago. Okay. Like four months ago, maybe. Okay. When I got this job that I have now, it was like, okay, I can like settle. And that job is? I write on Big Mouth on a... Netflix. Nick Love Rose. that show the most. Yes. So good. We were obsessed. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like that Valentine's Day episode. Yes. I watched it like 16 times. It's just so, so fun. funny. It's so fun, yeah. Um, how did that come about? Um, uh, how did that come about? 
So I've been so when I got here, I was working on a pilot, and mm-hmm. I'm not a TV writer. Or, well, now I am, but I wasn't, so I didn't have like the skills. So we were reading, reading, reading it. I kept working on it, and then finally, um, I did a TV show that never saw a lot of day, but I sent them my script to get feedback. And they were like, we actually really love this. We want to develop this with you. So once that kind of started rolling, I was like, I should have some sort of rep on this side. So I sent it to my talent agent who sent it to the lit department. And then they were like, oh, cool, cool, cool. We like this. We want to meet with you. And then five months later, he got me this job. Incredible. So it worked out. And what talent agency are you with? Gersh. Okay. Yeah. 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 What was it in the script that uh, said like, oh, yep, big mouth. Well, my script is is about three gay boys. The lead one is of color. It's basically about me. <laughs> me. Do you know Fernando? And know who? Yeah, Fernando, Fernando yeah, Contreras. Like, oh yeah, yeah. It's like about us and like our friendship. Yes. Um, Didn't you do a drag show for Fernando and a drag show for Brandon? Not a drag show, but I played um, transvestite characters in both play in, in a play directed by Fernando yeah. and a play directed by yes. Brandon. Oh, okay. Yes. yes. It's been what a was while. the name of that play? An evening with adult Yeah, uh, yes. an adult Sheldon evening with Shell Silverstein. Yeah. That was so much fun. Yes. You were singing that around the house forever. I remember that. Uh-huh. Yeah, That's that was so a funny show. Yeah. Um that was so fun. Yeah. I was telling them how we would warm up every um, rehearsal and performance with Beyonce's B Day. Yeah. <laughs> so gay. So fun. Gay is a box of I feel like I really learned like how to be embodied, how to get embodied for rehearsal. Yeah. Like so important. Yes. I love that. Yeah. So much fun. Yeah, I'm like I that song is a great warm-up, I feel. It's a wonderful warm-up. Well, yeah. Beyonce in general. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. It's like Everyone channel your inner Beyonce, yes. your inner perfectionist, but you're also your inner like bad bitch. Yes, you know you're badass. Like I'm here, right? And I'm a I'm yeah. such a Virgo, so I'm like yeah. I've been obsessed with everything Beyonce since I don't know since yeah. I was eight years old. Yeah, so. I was like when they were the original Destiny's Child. I was like a fan. Say my like, name. Like, <laughs> even before that, like no, 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 no. Oh my gosh! No, deep, before the, the remix. Before, before the remix. remix. Yes, the deep cut. I remember I was like eight years old and I was singing no, 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 no around the house and my sister was like, "What are you singing? Where did you hear that?" Like, yeah, it's like girl the radio. Yeah, I had like the like CD. Like, the CD in your computer, like you. Oh my god! Are you <laughs> right? We have like the CD rock yes, extra yes. stuff. Yes. Oh wow! That was my favorite. However, I remember there was this remix of Baby One More Time that was on the single of Britney Spears' Baby One More Time, and I let my friend borrow it, and I never saw it again. Oh, man. <laughs> that was my, uh, I had a Brandy Full Moon, the album I went to someone, and I never saw it again. I was so upset. We could have, uh, we could have a podcast just about so the things you've let out. He said, uh, yes, the wig did end up in my suitcase. <laughs> oh, man, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, sorry, girl. <laughs> I haven't Wait, seen what it yet. It's from the reunion. The oh, I'm so excited. It's goofy. It's goofy. I've seen clips, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, so your agents connected you to the team with Big Mouth, and then how did that go like was that your first time in the writer's room yeah 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 um it, are we recording yeah oh, we in it honey there's no like action i love it um uh, what was the question again how did i yeah how did you adjust to being in the writer's room for the oh first yeah time? i mean it was 
hard. It's I keep saying it's been like a spiritual journey because uh, I was the one of three new writers on the show, but mm-hmm. I was the only one that this was like their first room. Oh. So it's one of those things where you're like, you have a job and you have to perform at that level, but you're also like new at the shit. So you're like, oh, I have to like learn. So it feels like school and work at yeah. the same time. Mm-hmm. Plus I'm like black and gay and like I'm very much aware. I mean, the room is pretty diverse, but still like I'm the only full-time black gay man on the show. Mm-hmm. So I'm conscious of that as well. Um, so it was just a lot of praying and meditating and affirmations and like finding an ally and talking to people and kind of stumbling across it. Right. And like the last three weeks I'm like, yeah, I'm good. (laughs) So have you always seen yourself as a comedian? Yeah. My mom was a comedian. My mom, uh, She's a born-again Christian now, but she was very funny back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> she used to, so she used to have she jokes. She used to have all the jokes. Uh, so, yeah, so I grew up, like, watching... I grew up watching my mother as, like, a black woman with, like, dreadlocks, like, pound the pavement and support our family just as an actress. Um, like, I never knew her as anything else, but she was... She would write her own stuff. She did the characters... Um, and so I was always like going to her shows and helping her with shows. So I was very much in that world of like writing your own shit and like creating characters. Right. Um, so it just made sense that that would be a trajectory eventually. Mm-hmm. Mm. Did you grow up in New York? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Queens, mm-hmm. East Elmhurst. Oh, Queens. Yes. About like five minutes from LaGuardia airport. Mm-hmm. It's great. Cool. So when you get, uh, we've, we talked to a lot of TV writers, but you know, one thing I haven't asked is what is the process like? Once the agent connects you to the the producers, you know, are is there a interview process? Yeah, uh huh. What's that look like? So I was, uh, so I happened to be shooting in Albuquerque when I got the notice that I, that Big Mouth was interested. So I had to do like a FaceTime with the EPs and the showrunners, and then once they liked me, then they passed me off to another meeting with Nick. Uh, and the showrunner again, and then once that was done, they were like, "You're hired." So it was like mm. it was like a two step, much easier than I think an actor. Like I think actors, like you know, you go through every fucking. Yeah. It's like the audition, the casting, then it's the producer, then it's the director, then it's the network, and so there's way more. I feel like for actors. Okay. Like a, what did they want to learn from you in those? Trips I think they want to learn like what, like who you are, and like what your what your POV is going to be. So they have a character who's of color, they have a gay character, and also other characters, but I think they're just like looking for uh, what is my POV and what can I bring to their their characters. So it was a lot about like me and my like childhood and my born-again mother and being from Queens and moving to LA and being gay and when I came out and being married now. So it's just all about like what I've gone through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long have you been married? Four months. Oh, congrats. oh so, congrats. Yeah. so recent. So recent. Did January you go on a honeymoon? No. Because you're too busy. We're too busy. I'm trying to make these coins. That's yes. a luxury. I'm trying to save money. <laughs> I'm going to buy a house. And then yeah. I think about the honeymoon. Yeah, mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, we didn't do a lot. We went to Santa Barbara Courthouse. It's gorgeous. Santa Barbara Courthouse is I can stunning. that. Yeah. We did that. Uh, my best friend came. His best friend came. And like, that was it. Oh, so How the two of you meet? On Tinder. Aww. Like, right before we left New Love York. and app meetup. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. We're, we're uh, all in relationships um, with app meetups. So. Yeah. It's the way of the now. Right. <laughs> Millennial <laughs> it's dating. Way, it's the way of now. Yeah. Uh, we met on Tinder back in New York uh, 
four almost four years ago, and he had a one-way ticket to Oakland. I had a one-way ticket here, so we decided to do long distance. He hated Oakland, moved out here. Mm. What's he do? He is in education, so he was a, a teacher. Now he works for a nonprofit called Educators for Excellence, and they basically try to put teachers in position to help create policy because policy Ooh, is created by like yes. Betsy DeVos and people who yeah, are like, not qualified. So that's their like position is like we want teachers to be making policy about education. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Did that create any um, like family struggles at all with your mom being a born again Christian and then you being married to a man? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How much? How much you want to get into it? No, <laughs> right right now, yeah, we could go all the way in. I mean, I did a show about it. So <laughs> I literally did a show about it, and then I went to an audition, and. Like, a year later, and someone was like, oh, and, like, your mother, how are things with you? I was like, I've never, how do you know? And I was like, oh, right, because I blasted all that. <laughs> it was, like, videos being sent around. Wow. Um, <laughs> my show, which says my mother's born again. Um, my mother, we're, like, re, we're, like, in the baby stages of sort of recommunicating. So she actually hasn't met Matthew. Um, they've talked on the phone in the last couple months. Um, but I very much kept her away from him because mm-hmm. um, I just didn't want... I mean, he's so lovely and wants to, like... It's like... Uh, this is going to sound terrible, but it's like the kid who wants to play with, like, a really ferocious dog. And I'm like, no, the dog needs to, like... She's going to bite you. So <laughs> maybe let's, like, stay over here. Mm-hmm. Um, Keep on a leash. Yeah, yeah. So I'm waiting for her to kind of figure her shit out gotcha uh, and then they can reunite i guess or be united so wow so how much do you pull from your personal life experience and put it into your work and what you're writing uh pretty so pretty much everything um as much as possible i try to put into my work because i feel like that makes it authentic and honest and i like even writing my pilot like i know that uh we're like the industry's changing a little bit, but it was like I was trying to write this pilot that was like me and like a gay guy and a straight woman because I wanted to like follow into the industry and that didn't really work. And once I made it three gay boys who are of color and just like whatever, it's like, oh, all of a sudden I had a really great script because it was like from my perspective. So that was a lesson learned. It's like everything that I'm doing, I just want it to be something that. I authentically relate to. I love that that idea of a show. Um, there was a while back where I wrote like just kind of a Bible mm-hmm. for a show that had a similar idea because I feel like there's nothing on TV right now that gives that perspective of what yeah. it is to be a black gay man. It and, really there's not. You know, it's like, <laughs> like and like the closest thing we have is like insecure. Yes, which is still which very like, you know, watching, and then there was Noah's Ark, which I always yeah. Like, that's the thing. Noah's Ark was like me at fifteen. Like, oh my god! Like, yeah, you watch it now. You're like, it's like this was raggedy. This was so <laughs> <laughs> like, thank but it's you on for Netflix. making the way. Like, right. thank you for paving the way. But also, yes. like, uh, um, we can do. We need. We need better for ourselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like logo in the beginning. You're like logo had no money. <laughs> you know they have no money. It was shot real yeah, gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so it is one of those things where I'm like, oh, I'm, I really want to, like, fight until the end to get this made, or even if it's not mine, just, like, that work, that mm-hmm. POV, just, I want to see that POV mm-hmm. out there. I love that. There's so many other people who want to see it as well, yeah. so do it, girl. Yeah, girl, I'm a <laughs> keep fighting. 
So outside of that work, the work that you're doing on Big Mouth, Mm -hmm. um, are you pulling any of those life storylines into those characters? Yes. You know what was really hard about Big Mouth at first, and I don't, like, it's not a bad thing, uh, is that most of the cast is white. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the lead characters are white. And so I was saying to a lot of my... Friends who are of color, who are in TV writer rooms, who are uh, higher up than I am, and people who are coming up. It's like, oh, there is this interesting thing where you're engaging with whiteness in a very different way. Like, I used to, obviously, I went to NYU, and I worked in fitness, I worked around a lot of white people, but I wasn't processing them in the way that I am now, which is, like, the psychology of Mm -hmm. a 13-year-old white boy and a 13-year-old white girl, and, like... You're just like, oh my... And then I go home to my husband. And I'm like, oh my God, that's a lot of whiteness. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And like... And to a point where it almost created a barrier because I was like, how do I really tell this story? I feel frustrated by the fact that I'm telling another white kid's story. And so then I had to kind of take a step back and real... Like, the obvious, which is that it's a person and I'm a person. And so, like, my experiences can also... Uh, relate to this kid even though he's white. So Mm -hmm. there are differences there, but it's like, where can, like, I find the common ground? Um, And so once I figured that out, I actually, like, renamed the characters. Like, Andrew, I named him, like, Andre. And, like, Mm -hmm. Nick. I was like, Nikolai. Just, like, give them a little Mm -hmm. more color so I can really be like, okay, who is this person? Right, right. (laughs) Like, and they're really, you know, so... But yeah, I do pull, I think we all do in the room, we pull from our past experiences to kind of, and our puberty experiences to like really tell the story of these kids. Yeah, I feel like it does such a great job at telling those stories of puberty and like just early middle school where you're kind of just like all over the place and your emotions are all over the place and you don't know anything about anything. It's so relatable on so many levels yeah and the room i mean i'm i'm a baby in the room and i and i'm i'm like owning the fact that i'm a baby which is also (laughs) new and great and has been much better than me trying to like act like i'm i know what i'm doing (laughs) um but like they're brilliant like they are really that room is brilliant and how they run it my bosses are just the most empathic sweetest kindest people and you really feel like people can be authentically honest about their experiences and it's not going to be exploited or taken out of context. Mm -hmm. It's a really safe space. So you can create this show that is so crass in many ways, but also has so much heart. Um, And so it's really cool to like be a part of that process. And there's jokes that are like roll on the floor, funny um, on on that show. Do you have the same reaction in the writer's room? Like, before oh, it's manifested screaming. into... <laughs> <laughs> there are jokes that come out and we're, like, screaming. And then you get to... And then you, like, see... Then when the animations come up and you see it, and you're just like, oh, my God. Like, screaming. <laughs> well, I, yeah, it's amazing. I imagine it's probably one of the funniest rooms to be in. It, I mean, I only have this room to go off of, uh-huh. but it is a very funny room to be in. Like, they're... There are just some hilarious people, and they're just really, you see kind of the the mathematics of comedy, like, it, and that's also interesting, like, how there really is a formula to how to make shit funny. Does the writing remain the same straight through no matter what, even after they've added the animation, or do they get... 
do they add the animation and then go, ooh, that's not landing and we can't fix it in the animation. We need to go back to the writing. Yeah, I mean, the process is for an animation show is that like we write it, we do the table read to make sure that it's funny so we get people who are not, it's like everybody, like the network, you know, everyone comes in to hear it. Um, and then whatever they don't like or whatever doesn't work, we go back and fix it. And then we do what's called a radio play. So we'll record with the actors or some of us in the writers and we'll temp the roles and then we'll listen to just the radio play. And you can hear very quickly, like that joke doesn't work or this doesn't land. So before drawings even happen, we've listened to the audio and then we're like fixing that. Once that gets fixed, then it sort of goes into its animation process. And then when we get the animatics back, then we go through and say, okay, that worked, that didn't work. And we're, so it's, so along the way, before it gets to like the final stages, there is a lot of time for us to fix and up it and, and, and adjust it so it's has a good smack by the end. And what does it look like in the writer's room? You know, uh, or do we have like postcard or like, um, you know, mm-hmm. you got index yeah, cards up on the wall, There's whiteboard? A, our room, I mean, I think every room is different. And again, this is my only room, so I'm not the best person. <laughs> but, uh, hey, your experience. but I'm experienced. Uh, so there, we have whiteboards and then we use post-its. Um, so like, and we use different colors for each character. Um, so when we're breaking a story, uh, we'll kind of go beat by beat and we'll like write every single second basically on a Mm post-it. Um, so before a writer goes on outline or to write, like it's all, we, we know everything that's happening. So you're not leaving blind. Mm -hmm. And is that per episode or for the character's arcs throughout the season? So we talk about the character's as like broadly in the very beginning of the season, like, okay, well, let's talk about Missy. Let's talk about Nick. Let's talk about Andrew. Where do we see them going? But then when we get into the episode or, or to each episode, then we'll break it like as a story, as opposed to. Gotcha. Yeah. Do you have a favorite character to write for? Um, I don't, I have like, like Connie is my favorite character period <laughs> um just like a black woman is just gonna be my right. character <laughs> um uh, but no they're they're all um they're all wonderful they're all like it's it's actually great because they're all very funny so they're all mm-hmm. a lot of fun um i also have a soft spot i think for andrew because he's so fucking awkward and fucked up mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like going through it <laughs> so. where's your pilot at my pilot, what do you mean? Like, did, on the computer? <laughs> <laughs> in the cloud? With this, yeah, within the cloud. I'm yes. on Google Docs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, are you still shopping it? So, with like my, with like being on a show, I'm not allowed to shop anything until the room is up. But the plan mm-hmm. is to shop it like once this contract is up. Oh, okay. Try to move forward, yeah. Awesome. Did you expect to be in a writer's room? Did I expect? No. Honestly, no. Um, was it like your agent said, like, you know, yeah, we're going to be shopping this, but in the meantime, you know, we can get you, you know, like... Yeah, you. it was like, it just like, it, the focus was the pilot, and then it was like acting, and, and I started like booking work back to back, and so I was like, oh, great, I'm going to be like acting. Mm-hmm. And the writer's room came out of kind of left field, um, and because it was Big Mouth, and I'd literally, I'd done a shoot in New York a few months back and one of the PAs was like, there's a show, Big Mouth, you should watch. So I had like happened to watch it and love it. So when my agent was like, oh, there's an interview for this or looking for a new writer, I was like, oh, for sure, fuck yeah. I feel like if it were, I don't fucking know, like some just 
insert a bad show. I probably wouldn't have been like, yes, but because it was something that I saw and thought was important, like I think the way they're discussing puberty and sort of the representation and the inclusivity of their characters was really fucking important. Um, so I was like, yes, that that aligns with Brandon's personal mission statement as yeah. an artist. So mm-hmm. I can get behind that. How did you get an agent to begin with? Oh, um... I think that's what, like, if, if there's 22-year-olds graduating NYU or anywhere baby, right now, they, they wonder. Everything I've ever gotten has been because I knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. So my agent, I went to Amsterdam with Alex Anfanger, mm-hmm. and his sister is an agent at Gersh. And so, oh. like, I'm when I moved out here, I was, like, chatting with Alex. We, like, talked a little bit. And then he was like, I'll pass myself on to your sister, to my sister. So I was like, oh, for sure, absolutely. So... I met with her, and then she wrapped me, and I got booked a pilot, and so just kind of I, I guess there. in that conversation with Alex, were you open about like, hey, this is what I need right now? No, I mean, I was just asking for advice. I, I one person, uh, I had a mentor in New York, Ellen. This is who's an older Jewish mother who I am obsessed with, and who came into my life at the time when my mother, my actual mother, and I were like falling apart, and she was. So wonderful, but her advice was like, when you want, let me see if I get this right. When you want money, uh, ask for advice. When you want advice, ask for money. It's her like, her thing. Does that make sense? Smart. You want money, ask for advice. When I'm you writing want it advice, down in a sticky note. Money. So I, I was like, oh, fuck, that's Because <laughs> yeah. people like, when you're like, oh, I want money. You, your booty hole immediately goes, okay, right. how much do you want? Like, I'm not really listening. But if you're like, listen, I just want to, like, chat, then we get to have, like, a real symbiotic relationship and, like, a back and forth. And if I'm interested in what you're doing, then I'm going to figure out how to support you. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not, like, it's whatever. So I, like, stopped asking people to, like, send me, submit me to this or whatever, whatever. I was just like, I want to know how you're doing what you're doing. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then that's where all of the good stuff has come because I'm having real conversations with people. They get invested in what I want to do, and then they're like, "Oh, you should check out this or da 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 da." And I do. If I trust you, I will do anything you say down to a T. Because it's mm. like I I don't know what I'm doing. So like, <laughs> if you're like, "I got this," and this is how you do it, then I'm gonna follow it down to the the last detail. Awesome. Tell me more about Ellen. Ellen, Ellen Barber, I just actually talked to her yesterday. Um, we met because I did my indie show in at ETW my last year on my like final project. What was that called? Teach Me How to Fly. What a corny name. <laughs> but I thought it was cute. <laughs> what a corny show. But it was like this show about me as a like a celebrity and a gay father and it ended up being about my actual issue with my father and my mother and whatever yeah um and i wanted to i I had a friend at nyu who was like you should turn this into a tv show so like there i was trying to write a a pilot had no idea i had never read a pilot let alone knew how to write a pilot and he sent it to his uh his best friend's mother who is a writer ellen um and she read it and i guess was like the fuck is going on here but like the idea is good and so over like a year or two she just kind of helped me write this pilot not the one that i the one with gay boys but this pilot about this like gay celebrity or whatever but we were also like learning i was learning how to write with her she was like really making sure she taught me the the ins and outs of like writing dialogue like 
breaking down characters, writing action lines. Um, and at the same time, she was feeding me and like giving me tea and like giving me life lessons. Uh, one of them being, if you were your own parent, like what would you say to yourself? Because when my mother and I fell apart, it was like, you have to be your own parent now. And like, what? how would you raise yourself? Like, how would you treat little Brandon? So she's amazing. When did you come out? Nine, 2019 junior year between sophomore and junior year of college mm-hmm. oh really you weren't you were you were not out in earlier years of college I wasn't out my freshman year okay so yeah towards the end of my sophomore year right because I went to Amsterdam and I dated somebody that you know uh-huh. <laughs> um, a male a man uh-huh. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then and then he was like, okay, I'm out here in these yeah, streets, yeah, honey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you have any other mentors that have helped you along the way? Do I remember you had a godparent? I have so many godparents. A famous godparent? <laughs> famous godparent? Okay, maybe I made this I up. So. Okay, never mind. He thought, he thought you're, that will be Goldberg was your godmother. Oh, no, but she was my boss. Oh, your uh, boss? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I was her personal assistant. That's right. Yeah, that's that's personal so assistant. I worked as at our, I was an intern in a production company, and then when we graduated, I became her assistant for a little bit. Godmother, employee, yeah, whatever. whatever. <laughs> Same. I was working for her. I was like her godmother. <laughs> 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 yeah, she, but she was also awesome. Um, yeah. When you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you do? Uh, gratitude and meditation. Yo, if I can say anything to a 22-year-old, get your spiritual life up. Like, that game needs to be tight. That as was tight as possible. That was my... I always named the year, and mm-hmm. that was the theme of 2018. I was calling it Protect Your Spirit 2018. 2018, 2019, Ooh, with 2020. 20 What's 2019? 2019 is Operate Without Fear 2019. Ooh, I love oh. that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Hey. Spirit, like your spiritual, I feel like that's what's missing from acting school. It's like, they don't, I've had this conversation with a bunch of our friends where it's like, no one teaches you how to like handle the fact that you're not going to be working right out of school. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, out of a hundred of us, one of us might make it right out, but then what are the rest of us doing for like 10 years? Like everybody that's in our friend group, I feel like is just now hitting and I'm like 32 mm-hmm. and I just like got my first actual job. So what was I doing from 22 to 32? And I feel like that, the only thing to keep you is your spiritual life. And like, how do I take care of my body? How do I take care of my health? How do I take care of my mind? How do I like continue to re-motivate and reinvigorate and inspire myself so that I can handle every single rejection, handle sleeping on people's couches, handle like having $3 in my account, but like $10,000 in like, you know, credit card debt. It's like, you need your spiritual life to be tight. So every morning, gratitude and meditation. Love what that. were you doing for money during those 10 years or some of the jobs? Some of my jobs. So uh, when I got out of school, I was personal assistant for Whoopi for a little bit. And then I, did you guys know, do you remember when I was living in that sick ass, did you ever come to that penthouse? <laughs> no. Go on. Luxury. I was dating a guy and he lived in a penthouse and I lived in the penthouse with him, so... I was living in this, like, high-rise penthouse that, like, had no money to my name. <laughs> <laughs> the juxtaposition was just 
mind-boggling. Uh-huh. Uh, but I was a teaching artist, making no money, but a teaching artist. But I was like, oh, I want to be in my field. So I was a teaching artist uh, going out to, like, Bumblefuck Brooklyn and Bumblefuck Queens teaching, like, uh, writing or arts and crafts or whatever. Mm. Um, but then that became hard because those kids, like, needed me. Um, and I was also very much aware that I was a black man in these communities and like that's a rarity and I didn't if a job came I would have to like peace out and I didn't want to do that so um then I moved to fitness because I was like now these white ladies if I leave they're gonna be just fine right (laughs) (laughs) like they'll be so fine um so I moved to fitness and fitness was like my life for the last I mean up until maybe like right before I got this job um I was working uh, like in New York, I was teaching like 22, 23 classes a week, which if you don't know fitness, like that's insane and like absurd and your body can only handle that for so long. Um, and then I moved into Flywheel Flybar a little more full time, became like a manager, managed the East East Coast for that company. You know Tommy Nelms? I do. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. a big Flywheel boy. He was. I was uh, on the talent side of things. He was on operations. Mm-hmm. And I did it out here in LA and then I left them uh, and went to Equinox for two minutes and then it, I'm a big mouth. It's so funny. I feel like that's the general thing when it comes to the fitness world. Like a lot of people will go to Equinox and be like, oh, this is not it. Well, <laughs> you know, honestly, Equinox was it. They were great for me. But then here's what happened. This is a spiritual thing is that I, Flywheel and I, I love Flywheel. I love Flybar. I love the people that work there. They have their own, the company has its own whatever, but I was holding on with such a tight grip because I was like, what else is there? Like, if I leave this job, how many pay my bills? Like, I've been there for like five, or, I think longer than that, years, and I have such seniority. Like, where am I going to go? I'm going to have to start from the beginning. And then I was like, this is emotionally not working anymore, and I, I can't be here. And I left it and went to Equinox took a major pay cut, and then all of a sudden I started booking acting mm-hmm. jobs. Oh, so you're like, all right, bye. <laughs> yes, and then I booked Big Mouth. So to me, it was like, oh, the moment I like released all of my fear, as you said, mm-hmm. no fear 2019, then the work started to come in. Because I was gripping in such a tight way that was kind of like saying to the universe or God, whoever you fucking believe in, that like there isn't enough, and this is all I'm good at, and this is all that I can get. As opposed to being like, you know what, like, I've always eaten. I've, maybe not always the best food, but I've always eaten. Mm -hmm. I've never been, like, I've been able to pay my bills, even if it was late. But, like, I've always been taken care of. Right. So I'm going to release this and know that something will figure itself out. Right. Because what's most important is my happiness. And if I'm not happy at this place, then I can't give to anything. And everything else... You go to audition desperate and they can like smell that. Right. They're just like, I want this job because my job sucks. And they're like, <laughs> like, ooh, girl, that's, get out of here. They're so, like, that energy is not it's cute. Not, yeah. <laughs> it's just not, and you don't know that you're doing it, but like you're bringing a different energy if you're not happy. So like mm-hmm. whatever job you do, even if it's not in your industry, it's like be happy, like find a way to be happy. And so Equinox made me very happy because I was teaching less. I had a lot more flexibility there and that just made space for what I wanted to do to 
to enter. Gotcha. Do you consider yourself an activist in any way? I do. Um, you're currently wearing a shirt that says trans rights are human rights, which is true. But yeah. I'm just curious, you know, how far does that go for you? Um, it goes really far. I mean, all of our shows, the Luttrell shows, they're always, we want to raise money for, uh, for uh, different organizations. So this month we're doing... Yellowhammer Fund, obviously, which is supporting uh, abortion clinics in Alabama, and we're doing the Trans uh, Trans Women of Color Collective, okay. which supports trans women. Um, I think it's so important. I like to marry my work with some sort of activism because I, I feel like as a gay black man, I'm so marginalized. I'm not the most marginalized, but I'm definitely marginalized, and I want people to fight for me. And so if I want people to fight for me, I got to be fighting for them as well. Very that. Um, and I also think that comedy is such a beautiful way for people to um, take in information because I'm making you laugh. And so you trust me. And once you trust me, I can say some real shit to you. So I, that's why I always love comedy because I feel like it's a space where you can really say some hard facts and, and motivate people. Um, because it's not like beating them on the head. You're you're using comedy and laughter and, and so true. You know, to... People quote George Carlin more than they quote Bill Clinton. Right, right. And mm. it's like, oh, you're you're listening to Stephen Colbert and he's making you laugh, and then he says some shit about you know whatever the topic of the day is, and you're like, oh shit, yeah, I need to get my shit together. And right. Go figure out what's going on in the world. Um, and our pop stars, right? Like, like. Taylor Swift, who isn't, I'm not a fan of, but like said something about voting, and all of a sudden we saw like a major spike in voting in youth. So I think it's 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 crazy at this time to not to be a performer and not be an activist. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a judgment, but I I just feel like to just be an actor and to like just be like on camera is cute, but like what are you doing with that? Right, because it's like the character that you're portraying can only progress culture so far. Yeah. So it's like, if, if we are now in this space where we have Instagram and social media and people are not just interested in our characters, they're actually interested, like gone are the days where like Steven, like Steve Urkel is Steve Urkel and that's it, right? Like yeah. now it's like, I want to know about the actor. Mm-hmm. I want to know who you're married to. I want to know what you like to eat. Right, who is Jaleel White? Like, right, like <laughs> exactly. It's like, who's Jaleel White now? Who like, Game of Thrones, like who are these people who are playing these characters? So if people are also interested in me as a person, I want to be able to say something. Um, I want when you come to my social media page or whatever, you come to my show, that like I'm also saying something that you can use to go off into the world. I think it's so important for us as artists to... I think we're the culture shifters. We're the, we are the, the prophets of our time, I think. Mm-hmm. What in your training at NYU uh, have you utilize the most as a working professional the writing self-scripting comes to mind first like peggy and rosemary's self-scripting classes have been probably the most helpful one because they required me to really learn about myself because it's obviously self-scripting so really coming to terms with my blackness really coming to terms with my gayness coming to terms with my family and like being able to take the pain and the tragedy and the fun and whatever and turn it into art has been my bread and butter. I mean, even getting my agent, my agent I got because she watched a video of my show that I put up. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, I, I can't, the industry, I mean, so often I, after school and times are changing, but so often after school, I'd be like, you're great. You're so funny. You're so talented. I don't know what to do with you. 
Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, like, because it's like... I can think of some things. Right. But it's like, how, at that time, especially like thinking about two, 2009, like how many black characters were on TV, let alone how many black, black gay, gay characters. characters were on TV. How many Broadway shows have a black cast if it's not like a belting and singing and like how many of those characters are gay? Not that I can't play something else, but it's like, even if I'm playing straight, there's not a lot of options there either. So it's like, I have to write myself into existence. Right. Um, so self-scripting gave me those tools so that I could write myself into uh, into Hollywood and be like, this is what you can do with me. Mm. And I think that's finally... How do you stay spiritually centered? Is there like certain books that have helped you in yeah. the years? Or the most recent book that helped me was... Um, the Happiness Advantage. The author is Sean something. But it's basically like it's a it's a great book because it's like kind of like the science of being happy. So mm. it's it's like here are the steps that I've like learned and like like data. Like we've this true is, how-to. Yes, a true how-to, not just like a in theory, it's like no, this is like the scientific backing. Like he did research at Harvard and blah da 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 about being happy. And that was that was a game changer. The Universe Has Your Back by Gabrielle Bernstein was also a game changer. Um, listening to like Brene Brown, whatever she says is a game changer. Uh, Oprah Podcast, Master of Like, I am f- like trying to flood myself. Yamba Vincent, like with as many teachers as possible. Because I don't know how to do it, you know? And so it's like, why fake it? There are mm-hmm. other people who are studying this, who've been on the earth longer. Ellen would always say, like, I don't know more than you. I've just been here longer. Like, no one can corner the market. I've just been here a little longer. And so I have more to impart to you. So I want to go back to Big Mouth for a yeah. second. Um, does, and maybe this is even before you got there, but do you guys ever uh, pull focus groups with kids that are that, that, yeah, that age? we do. How's it's been go? great. I mean, it's really helpful, but it's also, like, beautiful. I mean, we are, like, the, and the, the I've, again, I've been in them for, like, a few months. Um, and both times, or a couple times that we've talked to the kids, they've been in progressive schools, liberal schools that are, like, teaching sex education. Like, they're not in Alabama, do you know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like, they are a little wiser. But, like, we were talking to this group of kids last week, and the girl was like, you know, my parents have a lot of trauma and so it makes their parenting toxic. (sighs) And I have to be able to forgive them for their toxic parenting because I have some of those, there are secrets in their life that I also... Parenting herself. I'm like, and I was like, that's like, I just figured that out at like 31. Right. I'm like, can you talk about your parents' secrets or why their their parenting is toxic? I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, imagine us then. The kids are really, they are learning, they're listening. There's also more access to the information. I mean, if you on Netflix, Big Mouth is there, but also Brene Brown is there. Mm-hmm. You know, so I feel like there's a lot more access, and so kids are surpassing us in terms of their emotional um, intelligence. Intelligence, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it's been really cool, like to see how freely they'll say they're gay, especially some of the girls. Like it's incredible, and the things that they're bringing up, and you're like, oh my god! Like when I was 15, I was in so deep in the closet like so like that I didn't even know that I was gay like that kind of like that repression where you're 
if somebody says you're gay, you're generally like, I actually, no, I'm not. Like, I'm not even trying to hide it. I, I didn't lie, know. Lie to myself, lie to yeah, you, lie yeah. to the whole like, world. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm gay and my girlfriend. And it's a weird thing. I'm like, you're 15. And like, that it just fell out of your mouth so easily. Like, I have hope. Like, there's a lot of hope. Those good old angsty days of being a teenager seem so far away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so in that, uh, I think we can thank TV. Um, yeah. Over the last 10 years. So knowing that you're making content that might be able to influence um, an expanding open mind consciousness for mm-hmm. that age group, what type of content is important for Big Mouth to be throwing in there? How are we going to yeah. expand the consciousness? I mean, they're so aware of that. Like, I think once they realize that there are a lot, like a lot of adults watch it, but a lot of kids watch it. Yeah. We are very conscious about what we're saying and how we're saying it. Obviously, we're not compromising our butt fuck jokes. <laughs> that's just what the show is. I will never let go of my butt fuck. But, but it's like you know, one of the uh, it hasn't happened yet, so I can't tell you. Okay. That. But there are things that happen on the show that with the characters. You're like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Well, one of my favorite episodes, I think, is the first episode where um, Andrew thinks that he might be gay. Or something. It's one of the first episodes where mm-hmm. Andrew's like thinks he might be gay. And yeah. I was like, I've never seen two straight characters ex- explore sexuality like that. Where it's like, you're allowing this straight boy to see if he is gay and it be okay if he is, but also end up discovering he's not. I was like, wow, that's that's important. Like sexuality is important. Like you might have feelings to another boy, but doesn't mean that you want to, like, that you're gay or that you're going to end up that way, or it may mean that you are, like, and whatever. And so, like, seeing that, I think, is so mm. important. So Concur. I think they're going to explore, they're exploring race and sexuality and gender in such a funny, but also profound and heart-filled way that I think is important. And just to, like, see, like, to see Missy, who's a biracial character, to see Matthew, who's a gay character, interact with the straight cis characters that we know mm-hmm. and not like have it really be their their storyline is also I think important. Like that's what I'm looking forward to in TV is I'm black and that's a part of my experience and it's gonna affect how I handle the situation, but that's not my storyline. Mm-hmm. Like my storyline isn't me coming out and then like I'm out of the show. It's like I get to be a part of whatever hijinks we're doing without it necessarily being like, I'm going to come out to my mom and she's going to hate me for it. You know, I think that's where we're trying to get to that story exists. And that story is important. But like after that character comes out, like what is their story? There has to be like a first date. There has to be the ability to like have a best friend and we're, we're existing without it being about our sexuality. And uh, I don't know. I feel like it's done such a good job at showcasing, like, the many facets of being a young human, like, trying to grow up. And that episode that you mentioned with Andrew trying to figure out if Mm. he was gay or not, like, I thought that was one of the most interesting things I've ever seen on TV, let alone in a cartoon. Yeah. Because I feel like in American culture specifically, we've made it so straight men don't feel comfortable with even exploring that idea and 
there's all of these like gender norms that Mm -hmm. we're subjected to from the day that we're born. So Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, you're a baby and I'm going to put you in blue or, you know? So seeing that, I was like, this is incredible. That's when I was really like, okay, I'm hooked on this Yeah, me too. Cause I was like, Oh, I've never, this is, and I think it was like their pilot or the second episode. You're like, wow, this is really early to like be introducing, like dive into such a taboo topic. Mm -hmm. Um, and handle it so well where like I wasn't offended <laughs> right and they did and they did it again lightly in the what was it like the school sleepover episode oh yeah the Jay, yes yep, with Jay yep, yeah and the shame monster yeah yeah, yeah. And, or the shame wizard the shame wizard yeah, yeah. And, with Jay and Matthew mm-hmm. yeah and you're just like oh this character who has been fucking a female pillow suddenly is like bisexual Right. All right. Like, like okay, great, right. Because, like, that is what that time is. Like, you're just, as puberty hits, you're learning more and more about yourself. And it's, and there are changes as the fucking theme song is and all of your changes. Mm-hmm. So, it's, yeah, it's cool. I think, and TV, I think is, I think that's why I'm, mo- I don't think, I know that's why I moved to LA. Because I wanted to be in the TV medium. Because I do believe that TV has such a, an activist power and that mm-hmm. it's able to, it's always been the place that changes consciousness. I mean, you think right. about like All in the Family and the Jeffersons, like right. that was some people's first experience with black families were the Jeffersons who were on All in the oh, Family, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, this has always been how we've progressed forward is that uh, I was talking to somebody about Boy Meets World and when Angela, when Sean got a girlfriend and she was black, mm-hmm. you know, like, but they never talked about her being black. And it's like, oh, this is how we moved culture forward is that somebody made a conscious choice on this white show to like give him a black girlfriend and not talk about her being black. Right. I remember being like nine years old or so and seeing like the first episodes with Angela and being like, Oh my God, like Angela, that's me. Yeah. I'm dating Sean. (laughs) And you know, fuck him. But the Cosby show (laughs) was also important, right? It's like, he's not important. We don't like him. <laughs> but the, the Huxtables were important. It was like important to see another version of a family. And it, I do think impacts, impacted like an Obama. I do think these shows, television has always been able to allow people to explore things that they don't know in a very safe way. Will and mm-hmm. Grace. Right. I mean, how many parents have gone, oh, so you're like Will or you're like, oh my, yeah. Yeah. you're like, how many of us have too many explain <laughs> right. coming out in that in like the terms of Will and Grace and it's like oh okay cool I understand yeah there's a lot there's a, there's a lexicon now yeah and and like okay you I don't feel as yes I don't feel as even for me like right as a gay man like seeing Will and being like oh that's what being gay is too like I thought it was queer as folk but I guess it can also be this other thing so what do you have to shut out. Uh, news is there, you know, is there what's happening in the world that you just I gotta put this on the shelf? I can't, I can't pay attention, it's not good for me. Or do you engage with everything? Um, I don't engage is not the right word. I let everything come in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily, I can't always engage with everything, but I do need to know that it's happening. Yeah. Um, so even if I can't like sit down and like sister and be like, how do I support the fact that there's a bombing in Paris? There's this trans, that third trans black woman who's been killed. There's this abortion ban. I may not be able to sit down and break open everything, but I do feel like it's important for me to know. 
So I let my news alerts come in. Yeah. I read. Mm-hmm. I also balance it with the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Yeah. Here's the real shit going on. And then I need to go home and smoke a little bit and watch NeNe Leakes yell at somebody. Yes. Just to like feel. Literal. Yes. Okay. You know, just to feel like there's some, something good in the world. Yeah. Um, but I try not to shut up because I also need that for my work. You know, Absolutely. I need to know what's going on in the world and mm-hmm. to kind of have my finger on the, so I can, so I can say something important. Okay, so now manifesting next steps. Yes. Let's say the show is bought, greenlit yeah. by a network. What is your role? Are you in the writer's room? Are you ideally, are you also directing? Are you starring? Yes. So I want to star and, and show run. I've never show run, so I would do be a co-showrunner ideally, like find somebody who has done it. Yeah. But I think it's important for, there's just not a lot of black showrunners, definitely not a lot of black gay showrunners. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if Lena Dunham can do it on her first show, if What's That Girl from Smilf can do it, like, Hell yeah. I can do it. Um, I want to be smart about it. Like, I want to give my show the best shot it has. So I definitely want to have, like, an Ellen or whoever that person yeah. is. But, uh, yeah, I would. I definitely want to be in that creator part. Because I'm, I'm learning so much that, like, actors are really just not valuable in that way. Um, and that's why all the actors are right. producing, right? Because it's like, you are truly just a prop in the story. You, you come in, you're hot shit, and then, like, you have your time and it's gone. If you can produce, if you can write, if you can create, then you can, like, really actually affect change. Because you said earlier, it's like, there's only so much your character can take you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But if you have say on that character, if you have say on that show, then you can push culture a little more. You can have a little more stake in it. And right. you're talking about not only just being the content creator, but mm-hmm. also being a leader. Yeah. And I have to say, like, I've always seen you as an incredibly competent leader. Thank you. Yes, I yeah. mean, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want to... Yeah, it's like, why would I just, like, hand this over to somebody else? I definitely yeah. believe in having people who are smarter than you and better than you to, like, support and, like, guide you, but... I also just want to, like, have ownership. You should have your own ship. Mm -hmm. Ellen says cash, credit, control. Like, what are the... Those are the three C's, and you can't have them all. She has books out or what? I know, right? She should. She needs a a podcast as well. You guys have Ellen Ellen in there. There's a fourth C I like to channel as well. (laughs) See you next Tuesday. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cash, control, credit, and... Cut. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So where are you off to? Rehearsals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we got a show on yeah. Wednesday and I have so much to memorize. It's insane. I mean, it's an hour and a half show and I have a lot uh, of things to talk about. Oh, talk you're about such a breath of fresh air. air. I got yeah. you. You guys, this is Handsome. Great. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh, you know, we got to have you on the screen. We can't just have you in a writer's Girl, room. People got to see these muscles yes, and that beautiful yes, smile. Yes. <laughs> she said, Miss Thing is here. Yeah, this is re- really nice to reconnect with you. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yes. Thanks, V.